Hello and welcome to Cadet Conversations. This is Mr. Gotch, your host, and today we are going to talk about what it's like when your parents go through a divorce. And joining us, we have a very special guest, Elizabeth Sherman, who is a counselor at Cross Connections and here at Concordia High School. Elizabeth, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And we have two very special <laughs> teacher panelists also joining us. First, we have Mrs. Salisbury. Mrs. Salisbury, thanks for being here. And also we have Mr. Hoyle. Uh, thank you for having me on. Great. Okay. So uh, first, I want to just go around the table and, and talk a little bit about our connection to divorce. And I'm going to start first. Uh, my parents are still together. Uh, they've been married since 1979. And uh, I'm very grateful for that because I know a lot of people who that's not the case for. Uh, I will say, however, that... Um, there were times when uh, I was growing up, especially during my college years, when it would not have surprised me to get a phone call from one of them saying, uh, your mom and I are splitting up. So it has not been smooth sailing for them. Uh, they've worked really hard in their marriage, and I'm very proud of that fact. But um, you know, there were times where things were not so, so uh, smooth. Um, my mom's parents did get divorced when she was in college. Her dad came down to Indianapolis where she was in nursing school. And he said, your mom and I are getting divorced. So I have grown up with three sets of grandparents. And um, I learned about divorce very early on because uh, Grandpa Jim used to be with Grandma Joanne. But now you have a new grandpa on uh, Grandma Joanne's side and a new grandma on. Uh, anyway, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so uh, I and I have seen, um, you know, the um, the challenges that that's created for my mom and then also for, for the rest of our family. So that is how divorce has um, affected me. That's kind of my connection to it. Uh, Elizabeth, could you tell us a little about your experience with divorce? Um, my parents got divorced when I was 15, but honestly, I cannot remember a time when my parents got along. So they mm. pretty much fought my entire childhood. Um, it was kind of a relief when my parents got divorced in some ways. So. Relief for yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure it was a relief for them too. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my parents fought all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mrs. Salisbury, how about you? Um, I'm also a child of divorce. Um, I was 18 when my parents divorced. Um, interestingly, it was uh, obviously right around the time that I graduated from high school, and they too had fought for almost as long as I could remember. Um, almost divorced uh, when I was in uh, junior high, and then um, dad got back together with mom, and uh, she, my mom was codependent. My dad was an alcoholic, and mom was codependent for uh, a long time, an enabler. Um, Can you just describe for us, for the people that don't know what codependent means when you use that term? It just means that she made it easy for him to drink, and um, they're easier, I guess, for him to drink. And she didn't hold him accountable for what drinking did um, to us all. So um, that all of that time... I would say for the last 10 years of their marriage, um, we all knew that there was something wrong and very, very loudly knew at, mm -hmm. at times. Um, so we were actually very 
um, my sister and I have a uh, younger sister, and we were both very um, pleased when things did finally collapse. Yeah. All right. So now let's go to Mr. Hoyle. Mr. Hoyle, um, how have you been um, connected or affected by divorce? Well, um, much like you, my parents have been together for their entire marriage. They got married in 1977. Oh, um, you beat just, me. I know. Just I mean, them, I guess. <laughs> it's not a contest, but. Um, but uh, my mom did marry before um, my dad, but never affected me. Um, so she had been married before. Right. You, yep. She had been married father. before and she had my sister. Um, and then, but I have never thought of her as anybody else other than my sister. She's never been like a stepsister or half sister or mm-hmm. anything. She's always just been my sister. But the thing that uh, we talked about that had me here is uh, my wife, um, her parents went through a divorce and she and I began dating, oh, what was it? Probably about a year within the divorce after it was finalized. Um, and so I was probably right in the thick of the, you know, having the kids being dropped off and, you know, being taken by the dad and, you know, all the inner workings of all that. And on on this, you know, the side of being the boyfriend and now spouse, she you know, really opened up to me about what she was feeling. You know, my wife was very, you know, adamant that, you know, she didn't want to deal with anything like that in her life, you know, but ended up happening anyway. So. About just having divorce be a part of her right, life. Right, just yeah. having divorce being part of her life because it, she's one of six. And so it was a very big family. And so just to have that occur uh, in their family dynamic was a big concern, really big concern. And so, um and so she really definitely just kind of opened up to me and tried to, you know, let me know how she was feeling because it was such a, just a big shock to her. And I think she, much like you, that Ms. Salisbury, that she, it happened when she was around 18, 19 years old. So she was, mm-hmm. you know, going into her freshman year of college, mm-hmm. ending senior year of high school. That's when it happened for her. And she's the oldest. So she mm-hmm. has six or five siblings or six of them. The youngest are twins, and they were 11 when it happened. So everybody's been really worried about them and how they've been handling it. But that's how kind of my connection with it is just being on the outside coming in kind of thing. Okay, so let's talk about before divorce happens. Mrs. Salisbury, you mentioned that, you know, your parents were fighting a whole lot, and that obviously impacted you and your siblings. Um, Elizabeth, if you have parents that are fighting all the time, what are some things that, that kids can do to try to deal with that? Well, one of the things you have to realize is that if your parents are fighting, that even if they're fighting about you, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of kids think that, you know, my parents are fighting and it has something to do with me. And, it, you know, even if it's, You know, they're fighting about something that has to do with, you know, your grades or you did something wrong or whatever. That's just a normal thing that, you know, you're just a kid and, you know, maybe you get a bad grade or, you know, you made a bad choice. You know, they'd be fighting about that if they were getting a divorce or not. Or, you know, it it, it doesn't matter. That's just a normal kid thing. Kids make bad choices or get bad grades. So, you know, you don't need to take that on you know, their fight is not your problem. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Salisbury, did you ever feel that way when they were fighting, that it was connected to you somehow? No, um, because fights were very specific. I mean, there was very specific triggers for those. And um, my sister and I, 
um, we dealt with it sort of together. We came together as as siblings. Um, she's not that much younger than I am, uh, and we just we just kind of shrank back and stayed back in as far back in the um, you know we just didn't want to be involved mm-hmm. in it in any way. Um, so the fights took place. My dad would leave, um, and during all of this time too, uh, there were court orders and this and that and the other. And you you have to understand that this was in early the early seventies, and um, he ignored court orders. Um, there was no form of of support monetarily. And so my mother had to find a job that barely supported the three of us, uh, my sister and my mom and myself, um, because dad wasn't paying any of the bills. So, um, and that job took her out of town for days at a time, which um, I think this kind of um, relates to what the question is. And what happened was that I had the responsibility of making sure that my sister was clothed and fed and, you know, got her homework done. and So you became kind of the mother figure I in did a sense. Yeah. Became, yes, and early on. So I had a lot more responsibility than what I should have had at that age. And as I, as I got older and looked back on it, I realized that I skipped some of those developmental things that you're supposed to do when you're in your teen years <laughs> because I had to I had to be grown up mm-hmm. um, and so that would be one of my um, things that I would tell kids about divorce and that is try and yes understand that you're not the reason for this but also know that um, parents in often in the the midst of all of what they're they're going through um, don't support you the way they need to. And they don't allow you to be the, or the person that you should be at that time of your life. And so um, to realize that there are things that you need to be doing that don't have anything to do with your parents' divorce. Right. Elizabeth, are there things that kids can do if they feel that's happening to them in the midst of this kind of you know drama? If they feel like they're having to be more adult than they maybe should be? I think that it's important for them to, you know, reach out and talk to people. who, And there are people who care. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, maybe in the 70s and stuff, there weren't as many resources as there are now, definitely, because, you know, I was a child of the 70s and 80s, too, and I think that that's definitely true. There were not as many resources then. You could not speak out like you could now. Mm -hmm. But I think that there are resources now. I think you could go to a teacher, go to a counselor, whatever, and say, I am really struggling. Right. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you're here at the high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like my job, I think I look at myself as being like a go-between. Like I could contact your parents and say, do you realize that your child is struggling? Because I think sometimes the parents don't realize like, wow, I've really put a, a lot of responsibility on this kid. And they're struggling and they don't realize that they've put so much responsibility on that kid. And when they when somebody points that out to them, they're like, whoa, I need to step back right. and not do that. Is that something you would do with the student's permission only? In other words, if I come to talk to you, 
you know, and I'm concerned that you're going to go talk to my parents. Is that a conversation you would have with me first? I would. I would ask their permission. Okay. Yeah, just want to make that clear. Mrs. Salisbury also mentioned a court order, which it sounds like there was some kind of violence or at least the threat of violence in the household. For for teens that are, are worried about that or, or if that's happening, you know, if they see violence happening, what do you... Wh- what should they do sort of initially and then maybe, you know, after, so there's kind of, you know, if there's an initial threat or something going on, you know, what, what would you tell them to do um, in, in a, uh, let how me to try. handle it or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Do you have anything that you could, that you could, that you could tell them? Is this just, you need to be able to call the police if you feel, a th- I mean, I, I, you know, I guess, do you, do, you, do you understand what I'm asking? I don't think I'm asking it in a very <laughs> good way, but. Like if they feel physically threatened? Yeah. I mean, yeah, anybody can call the police. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I would call the police. I would call 911. Okay. Mm-hmm. And even if, well, I'm worried that they're going to take my dad to jail or those kinds of things. I mean, ultimately, if it's a, if it's a physical threat, it's much, it's much better to have it dealt with than to not yeah. do something and, and regret it later. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we, we've talked about when parents are kind of at each other's throats and, and yelling and arguing and violence potentially. When they get to the point where they decide to divorce, at some, you know, at some point in this timeline, they're going to sit down with uh, their kids and talk about it, right? So, Mrs. Salisbury, can you talk to us about when you found out that your parents were going to get divorced? Well, like I said, it, w- it, it was a long time coming. And they had been within days of the actual decree five years before they actually did it. Um, And uh, so (laughs) my sister and I used to roll our eyes (laughs) when all of the fighting would happen. And um, and some of the things that 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 was, you know, that were pulled to make it really very, very difficult um, to live a normal life. so we were actually extremely happy when mom found it within herself to take, you know, to go through with everything that she had to do. And back, that was in 73. And back then, um, we could not move out of the place that we were living in because she had no credit history, um, which is another thing that has changed a lot since that time. Um, but there were so many things that affected the way we lived um, because of it. Uh, we were just happy to get rid of the constant, um, yeah, the the constant drinking and the constant mm-hmm. violence and fighting and every you know everything that was going on that made life almost impossible. Yeah, Elizabeth, live. do you remember when you found out your parents were getting divorced? Yeah, um, my parents had had this like knockdown, drag out fight. It wasn't a physical fight, but just a huge fight. And I just remember my mom saying something like, you know, your dad left. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like a nice sit down, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting a divorce or anything. It was just like your dad left. And that was it. That was it. Yeah. For, for students who uh, are in a situation where maybe they're they're not seeing this coming or it's not a relief, you know, for example, what are some things they can do to to try to deal with that news? I think it's helpful to talk to somebody in your family, like especially like a sibling who's going through the same thing. I think that's really, really helpful. Or maybe talk to, especially given the rate of divorce, talk to some of your friends 
that have gone through it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really helpful. So just having someone to talk that out with and kind of process your own yeah. emotions. It yeah. probably affects only children and only child more because they may not differently. have right, or yeah. at least differently because and you know, Ms. Salisbury at least had your sister, mm-hmm. you can at least share the load yep. of the whole thing. And so an only child, who are they gonna talk to? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, and they might be too young. You know, maybe they were ten years old, twelve years old, and maybe they don't know how to talk about it. So Mr. Hoyle, when you're uh, now a wife, well, I'll mm-hmm. just call her Mrs. Hoyle. Yeah, sure. When she found out her parents were getting divorced, were you guys dating at that time? Uh, no, we were not dating. We were, shoot, yeah, we, they had gotten divorced. We dated probably about a year later. Okay. Yes. Did you know her at the time that her parents got divorced? Mm-mm. Okay. Did not know. Has, yeah. she, has she talked to you about when she found out or what it what it yes, was like? Okay. Absolutely. Can you give us some insight on that? She. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll put their kind of their relationship into context a little bit. Her mom, much like Miss Salisbury's mom, was not did not work. She was stay home mom because I mean he had six kids and they were all homeschooled. So she had a she was stay home mom and then her dad worked tirelessly. Like he had worked worked long hours and uh, from what she told me he was a great dad. Like it was there was no like physical violence. There's no drinking. There's no drugs or anything like that. Um, as far as she put it, she thought that they just kind of fell out of love with each other. Um, now I'm not going to get into in too depth. With yeah. That, the specifics you know, that, of that, but so right. it was more of a surprise for her. Right. Probably. It was definitely a big surprise, especially for, uh, the kids because they did not, they, they saw the fights. There were fights. There were, there were arguments, but they did not really see it coming. One day their dad just left and for a couple months of time, he just, was not living with them. He would be there to, you know, do certain things, but he was not living with them. And then probably, I think she said about six months later, they made the divorce final. It was a very, very quick turn, turnaround when it mm-hmm. came to that. And so, um, yeah, she was definitely surprised. She was not, she was quite angry, like, you know, in all, in all the sense of the words, because she thought everything was fine. She thought that, you know, their marriage was, I mean, yeah, they have their fights, but they, it was going well. But she was sad and then just quite angry by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. so Elizabeth, basically, it's try to try to find people to talk to, to kind of talk out your own feelings, whether it's siblings or other other people who have gone through something similar or counselors, those kinds of things. I mean, that's the best thing that somebody can do in that situation. I think so. Okay. I know. I, I wrote a lot. Okay. Talk, talk to us about that. Um, and this was later. This was probably. Um, uh, probably eight, ten years later, but I was in a class actually in um, a college class, and uh, just began working on that whole problem and where I had been and where I was going. Um, by that time, I was married. Uh, one of the fallouts from the divorce was that I swore my kids would never go through what I had gone through. And um, so that put a lot of pressure on um, my husband. Uh, It puts pressure on the relationships that you uh, have later in life. Um, So I began working on just writing out how I felt and then um, reading back through it and tweaking it. And so I wrote a lot. 
and um, almost a journal kind of thing um, and wrote down the hurts, wrote down the, the small triumphs here and there, wrote down how I felt um, My wife about did the same thing. That. My wife yeah. did the same thing, yeah. It, it, I, it's just a really good way. If you want to show it to someone then, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, share it with your husband. Share right. it with with whoever. Um, but it was, I think... It was that was the only way that I got through, without having a counselor. Mm-hmm. And right. That 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 path um, right. at that point. Elizabeth, so. what is it about journaling? I mean, how does how does that work? I mean, obviously we know that it works, but what is it? What are you kind of doing when you're journaling? Why is that so effective? I think it's just getting everything out of your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the thoughts. And yeah. Yeah. Just it's a emotions. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're feeling probably feeling so many things, you know, mm-hmm. sad, angry, and you just want to put them down on paper, right? So Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. don't have to worry about what the response is from yeah. anybody because you can just, yeah. you know, it's like a verbal vomit. You can just <laughs> get rid of everything <laughs> yeah. right. and you don't have to worry about anybody else's response or feelings mm-hmm. or anything. You can just write it all down. I mean, yeah. it's, it's you. That's yeah. that's what you felt and mm-hmm. no one can you know, quibble with it. Right. Yeah. Okay, so when people get divorced, typically then things change. Like you talk, Mrs. Salisbury, about you know your mom having to not get a job, and that changed your whole living situation mm-hmm. essentially. When 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 your parents go through a divorce, Elizabeth, for you, did that change your living situation too? No, we were able to stay in the same house, in the same school, and everything. So that did not change for us. So we were we were fortunate. Okay. Yeah. When when uh, when people get divorced and there's, for example, a change in custody, right? So now you have your sometimes with your mom and sometimes with your dad. Uh, how how can you how can you kind of work through that and and not feel like I mean, in some cases, maybe you know, if you don't like one of them because of behavior, that's different. But if if in the case of Mrs. Hoyle, you know, you've got two people and you you sort of feel like, okay, which team are you on, or how, you know, how do you navigate all that stuff? Yeah, that's really hard. Now, that's one thing that my parents did not do well is they made us feel like we had to choose a side, and because they were very, they were very, very angry at each other, mm-hmm. and so they would talk badly about each other, and you did kind of feel like you had to pick a side, and that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for kids to know that you don't have to pick a side. You can love both of your parents. And you, you don't have to pick a side. I mean, even if your parents are talking badly about each other. And I think that you can say to your parents, like, could you please not talk badly about my dad or not talk badly about my mom because I love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, with, with Mrs. Oil, Mr. Oil, <laughs> did she have to kind of navigate that too? The, the sort of, you know, the, now you have these two people that are no longer together and it's, you know, how, how you kind of navigate that? Well, uh, she was in a position where she was moving on to uh, college. And so she remained, the, her mom remained in the same house. Her dad moved into her apartment. And so she really kind of focused mostly in her academics. She, from what she told me, in the sense she never had to pick sides. Fortunately, she didn't have to deal with that. But she was just emotionally she just felt like she couldn't handle them being separated and so she 
said she had some reservations seeing her dad, sometimes being with her mom, you know, certain, like just in certain points of the day, she felt like that they just being with them, it aggravated her. Um, as time has moved on and now, you know, when she and I started, began dating, got married, you know, she now has a, she feels she has a better relationship with both of them than she did when they were living together, which is interesting. Um, because, uh, you know, we'll go see her dad on a, on a weeknight for dinner. Or we'll, we'll go to her mom's on a Sunday, you know, and be with everybody. And so at first it wasn't, it wasn't a pick a side thing. It was just trying to get over what happened really for her. Um, because she still loved them dearly and they didn't really, um, they didn't tear each other down from what she told me, which is good, you know, and, uh, she in essence, didn't have to deal with the pick and side, you know, you gotta be with me, you gotta be with your, you know, your mom or whatever. But, uh, so, uh, I think the thing that really was the problem, not the problem, but the thing that really affected them was the, her, her brothers, her brothers were 11. They can't drive on their own. They can't, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they're kids still at this point. And so they are the ones that are kind of going between the dad and the mom, you know, on weekends and certain nights of the week. And, you know, you worry about them because how are they really handling it? Do they really know exactly what's going on or what happened? And so, um, but fortunately they, they have relationships with both parents, but it's still, you know, it, uh, at the time, I just, I think it was more of how do we get through this? How do we get past? How do we move on to the new stage of our lives? Or right. So, Elizabeth, are there things that you tell teens who are in that position where they're kind of going back and forth and a couple nights a week they're at mom's and a couple nights a week they're at dad's or um, to try to feel sort of a more sense of normalcy? Uh, you know, are there any, anything that they can do to try to try to be feel a little bit more grounded? I know one thing I've told them, I've told little kids this too, like just give yourself a break when you're moving from one house to another, like give yourself a day to like reacclimate to the next house because there's different rules, there's different expectations, there's a different climate. And so you can't just switch gears. You can't just like go from one house and then, you know, go to the next house and feel like it's normal like an hour later. So I think you need to give yourself 24 hours to like reacclimate yourself to this next environment that you're in sure. because it, it does take a while because it's like okay now I'm back here with these different rules and different people and different atmosphere and everything so just give yourself 24 hours to just you know get back to this environment and then give yourself 24 hours when you get back to the other environment okay uh, so something that it does end up happening then and it, it happened with my my mom's parents is they uh, started dating themselves well, let's see what, what, what I mean is they started dating. <laughs> they individually started dating other people uh, and they both ended up getting remarried. And that's something that, that does end up happening. So um, did your parents end up getting remarried, Elizabeth? They did, but they got remarried when I was in college. So you were not involved or you were not at home when your mom started dating other people or your dad? Um, for a little while, but mm-hmm. not a long time. Okay. Mrs. Salisbury, how about you? Did your mom end up getting remarried? No, she didn't. She remained single and uh, until she passed away. Um, my father did remarry. Um, interesting. I, I'm always looking at these kind of things, but interestingly, she was 10 years his senior, 
and it really was very much of a mother-son kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and we, uh, at that point, uh, he had moved to Warsaw, so um, they lived there, and we lived here, and I had my own life, and um, we saw them very irregularly. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, what about Mrs. Hoyle? Did her parents end up starting to date again? Uh, dad, uh, I want to say no for the dad. Um, the Her mom, though, has remarried. Um, okay. She and I have, um, my wife and I have been together for, it'll be four years in October. We've been married for six months. Um, and her mom, her mom's anniversary will be coming up in August around, I say it's be their two year anniversary. Uh, so it's very recent, very mm-hmm. recent. Um, what, what kind of feelings did your wife have as her mom was starting, you know, to, to date, you know, someone who wasn't her father? She, uh, she definitely felt, uh, I mean, it's hard to describe because she, I don't know if she felt betrayed because obviously she knew at, you know, at her stage in life, she knew that she, her mom was going to start dating. She knew that her dad would end up dating at some point. She, I think she just felt it wouldn't be this soon. Like she, it was probably, I don't know, three years maybe uh, after the divorce. And so it was very quick. Um, and so she just- In terms uh, of the dating or when she got right, remarried? We got remarried, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so she she just, what, it was unexpected, she thought. Um, she's, you know, there's, but there, here's the thing. They're, the guy is great. You know, her stepdad's great. You know, her mom's very happy. You know, the household's very happy and there's, you know, there's nothing, you know, going on there. It's just for her, she felt, you know, that her, like her mom just kind of discarded the whole thing real quickly. Like she thought there would have been more time to kind of collect thoughts and all those kind of things. Right. So, yeah. Elizabeth, can you walk us through the kind of feelings that you have as a child of divorce when your parents start dating other people? Um, I think a lot of kids are angry because they think that that person is going to replace their parent. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that they really struggle with. And I know that I think the thing that's been most successful for me with talking with kids is to give them permission to not like that person. And a lot of parents balk at that. (laughs) They think like, well, how can you tell them not to like that person? They try and force it on them. But it just gives them a lot of freedom. I mean, it's not like a license to be mean, but it's just a you don't have to like that person. You know, you can maybe at some point you might like them, but you don't have to like them right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's okay. It's okay that you don't like them. Yeah. Um, I ended up actually feeling, because I was a generation past, obviously, you know, the being a child of divorce. And so I never got to see my my mom's parents together. So for me, it was always just like, well, this the, the normal thing is, you know, Joanne is married to Ben and Jim is married to Linda. And so I ended up having the benefit of, of actually I was ended up being very close to my mom's stepdad, Ben. Um, and he and I probably had a better relationship or a closer relationship than I did with either of my other biological grandfathers. And I had good relationships with them too. But it, it was for as much as my mom had to go through, which she went through a lot, um, because of it, I was able to benefit down the line from that. And also I think my grandmother was a lot happier being with him and the same thing with my grandfather on the other side. Um, but it is this weird sort of thing of, you know, like you were saying, Mr. Hoyle, how, how much time is enough time and what does it feel like and what the real number is and when you're the child, but 
you think maybe it should be longer. And when mm-hmm. you're the adult, you're thinking, mm-hmm. well, I've wait. I mean, I mean, that's a hard thing to navigate, right? Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about um, how people who get divorced and then they start having new relationships, how it affects children of divorce. Let's talk about people who are children of divorce and their own relationships. And Mrs. Salisbury, you kind of touched on this, how the divorce that your parents experienced really affected your own relationships. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Um, yes. When I was single and looking for my Mr. Right, um, your Mr. Salisbury, it turned out. <laughs> yes, my Mr. Salisbury, it turned out. Um, I was I was actively looking for traits that my father didn't have. Um, I wanted to make. I was very adamant that my husband would not be dependent on anything, whether it was tobacco or you know drink or whatever he just was he had to be a fairly strong fellow in his own right and um i don't know we've been married since 1979 also um not without our problems uh but we tend to you know fight them out and (laughs) move on um so but that was my whole point was that i my kids were not if I ever had them, because I did go through the whole thing where I was just going to be a career woman and wasn't going to do any kids, and uh, God had other ideas. So there you go. Um, okay, Elizabeth, how about for you? And and when you were dating people, how did how did your parents' parents' divorce affect affect your relationships? Um, I was always thinking that I was going to be very intentional in my relationship um, because it wasn't going to turn out like my parents. And so I was just thinking that I was just going to do the opposite and, you know, that, you know, no matter what, when I get married, the relationship was going to work and I just wasn't going to give up on it. And I'm going to be married 24 years this month. And, you know, thanks. (laughs) Um, I mean, our relationship hasn't always been great, but, you know, there's been times when it's not been good, but that has always stuck in my mind. Like, I am not giving up on this, you know, no matter what, I am not going to give up on this. It is not going to end up like my parents. We've always talked about the commitment. Mm -hmm. That commitment almost to us is more important than, um, do I love him today? No, I do not. But I'm committed. (laughs) To the, you know, to work we, it out or we whatever. Are, yes, you know. we are committed to each other. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear you say that because sometimes you feel like you know what I don't love you today. I, yeah. I don't. I don't like you today, <laughs> but yeah. I am committed to you, and yeah. that really is what marriage is about. I am committed to you. I don't even feel like I like you today, but I'm committed. There to you. There are very few marriages that I've seen that don't have problems, and if you're committed, then you can get through those problems. That's right. Can you talk about what healthy conflict in a relationship looks like, especially for people that are, you know, if you have a lot of fighting with your parents or even if they get divorced, you know, you may not even know what it looks like to to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Right. And that, you know, that's a good point. Just as an aside, like when you're a child of divorce, you don't have a healthy role model of what healthy anything looks like. And that's something that you have to recognize that, you know, you should probably get some premarital counseling or, you know, something before you get married or even while you're going through marriage, you may need to go to a marriage counselor because you don't have a role model of what healthy fighting looks like, 
what, you know, healthy, what anything in a relationship looks like. I mean, I know when I was growing up, I don't remember my parents doing anything but fighting. So I didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like at all. So I made sure that we did get marriage counseling. So, yeah, so, I mean, a healthy argument is that, you know, you can disagree on things, but, you know, you don't have to be throwing things or screaming at each other. And you can agree to disagree. <laughs> you don't have to agree on everything. Mm-hmm. I, uh, well, just to throw this in, since I've been only married for six months, we had to go through pre-marriage counseling, and I'm glad we did because that, that's one thing I wanted to do and my wife wanted to do too because of the factor that, you know, of her parents being divorced and everything. And I remember uh, it was at Cross Connections, actually. And I remember... Uh, That's where Elizabeth works, by the way. For those <laughs> who don't know. Yes. Uh, I remember them in, in the session where we talked about that there will be fighting. And they said, don't kid yourself. There will be fighting, you know. And so mm-hmm. they told us a few things, you know, about never using I or you or whatever, not like you know, that's hard. It's hard to not point the finger at somebody, but, you know, trying to step back and not do that. Um, They also, uh, what was the uh, five, three, two thing where it's, you talk for five minutes, explain what your thoughts are. She gets three minutes to um, tell you what she heard from you in that five minutes. And then you take two minutes to clarify anything that she might've misheard. And then you do the same thing back to her. Uh, and so that was really inventive. I loved that because it calms everybody down. You're not yelling at each other. You get the five minutes that you need in order to display your feelings. And, uh, then she gets, you know, the time or I get the time to actually listen, actively listen to what she's trying to tell me and that I don't react in some poor manner. So I thought that was the most, one of the most beneficial things I learned when I was going through marriage counseling for sure. Yeah. And then you get that clarification piece right. because most right. arguments are because people didn't hear each other. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mrs. Salisbury, there, is there other advice you can give us too about that since, since you've got the longest marriage running about resolving <laughs> conflicts and, and those sorts of things? Um, you know, you get, you do get to a point where you know the, the person very well and you can almost for for most of the time you can you can predict what how that's going to happen or how they're going to react to something um so you know think about how that works and whether or not you can save some information for later um you know instead of like dump it on him as soon as he walks in the door and oh yeah we need to do this 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 and this um you know this, 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 and this, and this broke today. Do something about it. Um, it there are so many different little things that you can do if you sit back and take time to think about the other person um, as well as how you are feeling. Uh, they're going to figure it out fairly quickly when they walk in that door anyway. So um, I just take your time. Think about the other person. Um be willing to talk, not scream. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, we are we're running out of time here, so I wanna I wanna end with giving each of you a chance to to talk to people who might be in situations similar to what you went through. And I want to start with Mr. Hoyle. If you uh, are, or if someone, I should say, is is dating someone who is 
their parents are going through a divorce or have recently gone through a divorce, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? What kind of advice would you give to them for that situation? So you're saying at the per- someone who would be like you me, okay. when you were dating okay. your your now wife when she, her parents were going through the divorce and, and the aftermath of that? Well, just, I mean, you're going to be this anyway, hopefully, but be the shoulder to cry on. I mean, be the person to listen to what she has to say because she's going to need to vent to somebody, you know, and she is obviously going to have a different relationship or he, whoever it is, is going to have a different relationship with their siblings than they are with you because you, they may not divulge everything with their siblings, what they're feeling compared to you as a boyfriend or spouse. And so uh, just, you got to be the person there to uh, listen to them, not necessarily give them advice because maybe that's not what they want at that point. Did you have to learn that lesson? Yes, that's that's, that's (laughs) very true. I did have to learn that lesson. Um, But, uh, but yeah, don't necessarily give the advice. Just be the person to listen and, um, you know, just let them vent, let them get it out. And, you know, sometimes it, um, it may be constructive. Sometimes it may be, you know, well, this is, she's kind of, you know, really bashing both of these people, but, you know, you just got to be that person to, to listen and, um, you know, and then you'll get through it. You'll get through it. And if she asks for advice, then you give her the advice. <laughs> <laughs> what she ask? Yeah. Okay, Mrs. Salisbury, how about you? What would you say to someone who's in a situation similar to yours? Um, I would say take their word for it. Take their word for how they feel, for how they, what they um, see their parents, either singly or together, whatever, however that works. Um, we, my, my husband and I met six months after my parents divorced and, um, he, he came from an intact household. However, his mother had just passed away. So, I, I mean, there was all these dynamics going. However, it was very hard for him to think, um, to, to believe that my dad could do some of these things that had been done. It was very hard for him to understand that my mother still loved my father but couldn't live with him anymore. It was just, there was a lot of, he had to take me for, he had to understand and believe mm-hmm. what I said mm-hmm. for, because it was what I felt. Right, and uh, after all this, did you end up reconciling with your father and having a relationship with him at all? We had a limited relationship. Um, I did not trust him alone with my children. I did allow him to be part of their lives to some extent. Um, But, and this is, I have to thank God for this, I think, is that he did live 45 minutes away from here, so we didn't have to interact constantly in one way or another. We could plan those um, interventions. So they knew who Grandpa Jim was, and they kind of understood, um, you know, that once it was Grandpa Jim and Grandma Lorna and, you know. It's not that way anymore. It's not that way anymore. What would you say to a a kid who has that kind of relationship with maybe a father or mother that's not really a part of their life anymore? How do you you deal with that? Um, I'm sure there's something I missed. My mother was an amazing woman. I would not be sitting here without her. Um, and through it all, even though, uh, 
you know, she didn't push through and, and she didn't take control of things uh, as she might have been la- able to later on, again, 1973. Um, I don't think that... Um, I always wanted to make her proud of me, um, and so I worked at that, and um, I she was... She was my best friend, so we saw each other. So your relationship with her deepened as your relationship with your dad kind of dissolved. Yes, thank you. That's exactly right. All right, Elizabeth, from your perspective, what would you tell students that are dealing with either parents that are, like you said before, at each other's throats or people that are, you know, now trying to navigate a new situation with their parents no longer together? I would just tell them that, I mean, I'm trying to think back of what I felt. I guess I always just felt like I was the only one, even though there were, you know, lots of other kids whose parents were divorced. And, you know, everybody's situation definitely is unique, but you are not the only one. So I think it's really important that you reach out to somebody. So whether that is a peer or a teacher or um, a counselor or somebody so that you know that you're not the only person and that you're not navigating this all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank each of my guests. Mr. Hoyle, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Mrs. Salisbury. Thank you. And our special guest, the in-house cross-connections counselor. She is here twice a week, so if you want to talk to her about divorce or anything else that you're struggling with, go talk to Mrs. Risch. She can get you a pass and set up an appointment. Uh, Elizabeth Sherman, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. This has been Connect Conversations. Thank you guys for listening. Uh-huh.